In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a catch. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline, pylon, touchdown, and the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray, but I am riding solo today. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass. I am at Drew Butler, and keep in mind, www.puntandpass.com. We'll be live and ready to roll in the coming weeks, certainly before the season starts. It'll be your one-stop shop for everything college football. It'll have a merchandise shop in there. It'll have a blog in there so I can fire off all my quick thoughts. And, of course, all of our videos, all of our avenues to get punt and pass, wherever you listen to podcasts, etc., and so forth. Have a great show for you lined up today. Breaking news, as I'm recording, JT Daniels was just granted immediate eligibility by the NCAA, so he will be able to play for Georgia in 2020, if there even is a season this fall. We're going to break down what is going on in the world of college football. Obviously, we touched on it last week. Ivy League, no fall sports. We broke that with Wes Blankenship on Wednesday. Shout out to Wes for joining the show. And the Big Ten. The Big Ten announced that they would be having a conference-only schedule. We discussed that in-depth with Seth Emerson from The Athletic on Friday. Shout-out to Seth for jumping on the show. The Pac-12 has followed suit. They said they're going to have conference-only games in 2020 if there is a season this fall. And I have a great article that I just read on CBSSports.com from Dennis Dodd. And he is exploring how coaches on the hot seat might get a mulligan if there is a season this fall because with the dwindling budgets and dwindling schedules, how can you really evaluate what is happening? And would you even want to go through a coaching search amid this pandemic? Who knows? Let's dive right into it, though. JT Daniels, eligible to play for Georgia. How Georgia is that? You have two fantastic, talented quarterbacks and you don't even know if there's going to be a season so to refresh who is JT Daniels JT Daniels is the transfer quarterback from Southern Cal and again I feel like I've got a pretty good sense of what goes on in and around the Georgia football program when he transferred to Georgia it was news to me I mean I was shocked I said holy cow obviously they got Jamie Newman immediately after Jake Fromm had announced that he was going to forego his senior season and enter the NFL draft so it seemed like Kirby Smart and the Georgia coaching staff were working on that, knowing that Jake 
was probably leaving. Jamie Newman, of course, very highly regarded coming out of Wake Forest. He's got a different skill set that Georgia fans are used to seeing at the quarterback position. Pair him with new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, and you're sitting there going, wow, this is going to be really fascinating to see how Georgia's offense is revamped in 2020, especially with all the returning talent that they have at the skill positions. JT Daniels coming off a torn ACL just a year ago transfers into Georgia. Hey, I thought everybody, I I really did assume that everybody, including JT Daniels, thought that he was not going to be granted immediate eligibility. And that was probably a good thing for him. And of course, getting immediate eligibility is also a good thing. Coming off a bum knee, learning a new system, transferring schools completely across the country, being able to watch and learn under Jamie Newman. I thought these were all good things if the opposite had happened. Now we're sitting here on July 13th, and he's granted immediate eligibility. Keep in mind, Daniels was initially rated as the nation's number one overall prospect in 2019 before reclassifying to the class of 2018. He was the number four player in that class behind fellow five-star prospects Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Crazy to even remember that Justin Fields (laughs) committed to Georgia and played for Georgia for one season now, of course, he's a Heisman finalist at Ohio State and probably going to be a top five pick in next year's NFL draft. What an embarrassment of riches for Georgia, though. And what an amazing sequence of events to where Jake Fromm leaves and everybody's sitting there going, why would you leave? You got such good things happening at Georgia in 2020 to now you're sitting here and you've got two very, very legitimate quarterbacks who will battle to start for the dogs in 2020 Cole Kubelik from the SEC network sent out a great tweet I just retweeted it follow Cole at Cole Kubelik and he said this is huge for Georgia why is it huge he says it feels like Georgia was overprotective of the QB position last fall based on depth that makes a ton of sense A lot of the play calling was pretty conservative. Sometimes you thought they were just protecting Jake to make sure Jake Fromm did not get injured because who the hell knows what would have happened in-game situations, game scenarios, if Jake went down and Georgia had to scratch and claw their way back into a game, probably wasn't going to look good. He says, Cole does, one of the strengths of the new starter is obviously mobility that will put him in harm's way more often, of course, talking about Jamie Newman. The fear of utilizing that portion of the offense shrinks exponentially. I 100% agree. What Cole is saying is that if you did not have a viable backup for Jamie Newman, assuming Newman starts this year in 2020, would you be willing to run him as much and put him in harm's way if you didn't know who was going to come into the game and continue playing quarterback for Georgia. Now you know JT Daniels is there if he's the backup. JT Daniels, who has started for an entire season at Southern Cal, who is a five-star prospect, who knows how to execute at the quarterback position at a high level against great talent on Saturdays. This feels like a great situation for Todd Munkin. Is the quarterback position as open as maybe some people think? I don't necessarily think so. I think it's Jamie Newman's job to lose. I don't know how healthy JT Daniels is. I don't know what that knee's looking like. Of course, Ron Corson does, and Georgia's athletic training staff does. But Jamie Newman, this is his job to lose. It would be even more so if Georgia and every other college football team had spring football in March, April, and May of 2020, but that, of course, did not happen. 
everybody's starting off on the same boat. Everybody is now entering that six-week transitory practice period that the NCAA smartly allowed schools to have. It's a good situation for Georgia, though. Georgia has so much talent. So much talent. And I have said this once, I've said it twice, and I will continue to say it again and again. It feels good because I trust in the coaching staff at Georgia. It feels good to sit here in the middle of summer and say, wow, look at this roster. Look at all these five stars if you're into that kind of thing. You know, I look more so at the returning talent guys who have actually played to sit there and say, this is up to the coaches in 2020. It is up to the coaches. Can they utilize the talent that they have at their fingertips to allow these guys to play fast, to play physical, and to play free? Because if you do those three things and you have fun, you're going to win a lot of football games. The best coaches, the best coaches at the NFL level, at the college level, or even in high school, they adapt their coaching styles to the players that they have at their disposal, not the other way around. You do not try to make your players play your coaching style. You adapt your coaching style to the players that you have. And I'll be damned if Georgia doesn't have some of the best players in the nation in 2020. That's the situation. Congratulations to JT Daniels. Immediate eligibility. JT Daniels, at JT Daniels 06 on Twitter, he tweeted out, Thank you to the NCAA for granting me immediate eligibility and allowing me to play football this fall. I will not comment on the waiver or transfer, but look forward to a great 2020 season with my teammates. Awesome. I hope there is a 2020 season. Seth Emerson gave us some pretty good perspective last Friday on how he thinks this will play out, noting that it's probably most important to have flexibility, and I agree with him. Right, Big Ten says they're not going to play conference uh, out-of-conference games. Pac-12 today announcing that they will follow suit, and they're going to go to conference only this fall. Obviously, that takes some games off the schedule. If they need to bounce back the start date, they can do that. If there's an outbreak midseason between a team, maybe they can reschedule with one of the open dates. Who knows? A lot of people are, of course, noticing that SEC officials and athletic directors are in Birmingham today to meet and continue to discuss what is going on. I found it quite alarming that on Saturday, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey was on a radio interview and said his concern level about having college football this fall is high to very high. That worries me. But this is what does not worry me. College football is too big to fail, people. We're not going to have a spring season. I think that is the last avenue. I think the SEC is smart, and I think the ACC is following suit as well by waiting until the very last minute to make a decision. Look, they've told you from the beginning of this thing, they're not going to make decisions until they absolutely have to. Deadlines spur action. You would think July 31st, August 1st is going to be around the time frame of when the SEC and the ACC make their decision on how they're going to go about tackling football this fall. This meeting in Birmingham with the SEC officials and athletic directors, it's been planned for a while. I I would not expect an announcement today. I would expect you to hear them come out and say, hey, we're looking at all possible options. Clearly, as things are trending right now, they're not that good, but in three weeks' time, who knows how it will look. 
Time is running out, though, and that's what Greg Sankey said on the radio. We're going in the wrong direction, and the time that we have to make a decision which will decide if we play football this fall or what it looks like, that time is running out by the hour. It's July 13th, people. They need to make a decision by August 1st. Seth brought up a great point last week, too. I mean, is travel really the situation at hand here? Georgia will play Georgia Tech. The schools are 70 miles apart. Clemson will play South Carolina. The schools are an hour and a half or two hours apart. Florida will play Florida State. I mean, those things will happen. Why would you sit there and say, we can't do that because they're out of conference? That does not make any sense. And I think that would be such a bad decision to simply say, hey, we can play these games, but not these other games, regardless of how close they are in proximity, because they are out of conference. That makes no sense to me. And I do not think that will happen. Will Georgia open up the season against Alabama in Tuscaloosa? I don't know. You know, if you take out the out-of-conference games, that's two games in two weeks that Georgia will not be playing football. They were supposed to open up in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Labor Day night against Virginia. Then the following week was at home against Louisiana Monroe, I believe. If you take those two games away, Does Georgia open up and hit the ground running? Excuse me, they're going to play East Tennessee State at home on September 12th. Do they open up the season September 19th at Alabama? Who knows? But I'll tell you right now, Georgia playing Georgia Tech certainly makes more sense than Georgia hopping on a flight and going to Missouri if that's what you're saying puts everybody at harm, traveling. Again, I applaud the SEC and the ACC for taking their time and going through all possible avenues to make the best decision, to make the most sound decision. Time is running out. We'll keep you locked in right here on Punt and Pass as to what they decide to do. Speaking of Missouri, I had a tweet this weekend, get a lot of feedback. Follow me on Twitter, at Drew Butler. But I was... Bored in the house, as most of us are during this unprecedented time in our lives. No sports on. Flipped over to SEC Network, and it was a rerun of last year's game, Tennessee at Missouri. Football, of course. So I'm watching it, and I'm like, man, I can't believe Missouri's been in the SEC since 2012. And I can't believe Missouri won the SEC East in 2013 and 2014. I was like, man, Mizzou. Then I sat there and said, why the hell did the SEC invite Missouri in the first place? Remember, West Virginia was denied membership into the SEC. It seems like that would have been a great fit. I guess there were some academic protocols that weren't met, and uh, it just it didn't matriculate. But the SEC invites Mizzou into the conference, and I think they had high hopes for the St. Louis market and really the Midwestern market. I I do not think that those high hopes have materialized. I'm just guessing. This is my opinion. I I cannot wrap my head around Mizzou winning the SEC East in 2013 and 2014. 2013 Missouri was a good football team. 
I think another thing that the SEC wishes would have happened is that Mizzou basketball, which has such a rich history, would have continued to play at the level that they are expected to play at. I've been to a basketball game in Columbia, Missouri. Shout out to my old roommate, Logan Gray, LG6. Everybody remembers Logan, the pride of Columbia, Missouri. We went back on spring break to his family's place in Columbia, went to a Mizzou-KU basketball game when Missouri was still in the Big 12. That was awesome. What a fantastic rivalry that is. It's sad that it's now gone. And Mizzou's basketball arena, nicer than probably 50% of the NBA arenas. Crazy nice. I know Stegman has been renovated. It makes Stegman look like a high school gym. Missouri's basketball program is rich in history, and it's unfortunate that since they've entered the SEC that they have not been as good as I'm sure everybody would have hoped for them to be. Compete with Kentucky, right? Like take them to the brink as the elite power in the SEC. Hasn't happened. Unfortunate. Would the SEC do it again? Would they invite Missouri again if they could go back to 2011, 2012? I would think not. I, I just don't think they would. Texas A&M, that's worked out great, I think. They are an SEC school, right? It's unfortunate that they lost their rivalry with Texas. But that fits SEC mantra much better than Missouri does. I'm sorry. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. Who would you pick in, NC, I mean, in um, Missouri's place? I had a lot of people tweet at me and say NC State would have been a good fit. Maybe even like a Virginia Tech, West Virginia Hell, could you have made a pass at UNC if the ACC would have been picked apart like the Big 12 was? Florida State, right? Like, if that would have happened in the ACC as what did to the Big 12, that would have been much more interesting. And I think it would have looked better on the SEC in the long term. But it's crazy to think as we sit here in 2020 that Mizzou has been in conference for eight years now. They've won the SEC East twice. Everybody quickly pointed out on Instagram and and Twitter that Georgia's 2014 season was just absolutely ravaged by injuries, which it was. But that was really the start to the decline of Coach Rick's time at Georgia. That that hurt. Missouri representing the SEC East two years in a row. And then, of course, hiring Broden Schottenheimer. That That was the real nail in the coffin to the CMR era, which, again, I think proved to be the right decision at the right time. Coach Rick got to go back to Miami. Now he's crushing it on TV, and he looks great. He's healthy. We all love Coach Rick, friend of the pod. Fascinating to think. 186 likes. That's a good tweet for your boy. 33 replies. We had a good conversation. I love conversations. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I thought this was a great article by Dennis Dodd on CBSSports.com. College football coaches on the hot seat may get mulligans amid uncertain seasons and dwindling budgets. I totally agree. I hadn't even thought about this. Right? I mean, who knows what the 2020 season is going to look like. And if your coach is on the hot seat, he might get a pass. The coach in the picture on the thumbnail for this article, Will Muschamp at South Carolina. Probably getting a pass. Think about this. Dodd writes, start with the fact that most of the nation's coaches haven't been around long enough to fire. There have been 73 coaching changes involving 70 schools in the last three seasons. Wow. 
All of that occurred before the profound impact of COVID-19 on college budgets nationwide. 100%. I mean, that's eye-opening. Dodd says it will be difficult to properly evaluate coaches in 2020. The Big Ten and Pac-12 are moving to conference-only schedules. The rest of the FBS may soon follow suit. History has proven that major college football will be preserved at every expense, which I think it should. Dodd continues, at the FBS level, football provides 80% of the revenue for the average athletic department. Just average. 80%. It can cost up to eight figures to change college football coaches. Wow. Think about some of the buyouts. Think about some of the buyouts, and again, the, the budget's dwindling. This is crazy. Dennis Dodd says the average buyout of the nation's top 10 highest paid coaches is $29 million. Sportico reported that Iowa coach Kirk Ferentz's buyout, $22.6 million, is larger than the entire athletic budgets of three FBS schools. Wow. I think it makes a lot of sense. Could be an interesting situation for evaluating college football coaches in 2020. I really hope we have college football in 2020. <laughs> That's as simple as that. I think everybody would agree. Let me know your thoughts, though. I mean, do you think that if a school like South Carolina just had a really shitty season, that Will Muschamp would be saved just because of the unprecedented times that we're in? And I'm talking like bad, bad. Yeah, maybe they have an injury. Knock on wood. Hopefully they don't. But if they just do not have a good season whatsoever, even in a conference-only schedule, if that's what they decide to do, would Will Muschamp keep his job at South Carolina? Something to think about. Something to think about. Great article by Dennis Dodd, though, on CBS Sports. I highly recommend you go read it. Thanks for tuning in for this Monday episode. Be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass. I'm at Drew Butler, puntandpass.com, coming soon. And I will continue to pump out these quick, informational, up-to-date podcast episodes for you as news breaks, which I'm sure it will continue to because, like I said, that six-week transitory practice period has officially begun. Conferences are meeting, and time is running out as to what is going to happen and what the 2020 season will look like. Keep it locked in right here. Appreciate y'all listening. And we will talk to you soon. See you.